When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark, run the damn ball, Cranach, Elijah Herbal in. Welcome, fellas. Good to be back together. Cranach, put that other phone down, my friend, and just text away. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. And thankfully, no more DJ two phones. Right. Yeah. I've been, that's been my nickname for a while up here. DJ two phones. Anybody that's had to do that because of work and then personal and, and mm. whatever it becomes, it's a lot to manage, right? When you have two phones, I think you look down, big, you look big time though. I mean, you look important. You're sitting there. You're like, yeah. And I mean, thank you. Um, really not though. Uh, but you know, anybody, it's a lot to manage because some people maybe have, one phone and you don't really want to like make a big deal and have everybody switch. And it's a lot of manual tech, you know, it's a whole Mm -hmm. thing. And we discovered that you just did not have my other phone. The one that I now keep and maintain, (laughs) you did not have that. Even though I have evidence of texting you on that phone from 2018, but somehow it's you must have deleted that. You no, delete me. I no, understand. no, never. No, you delete n- me. No, it's, Chris, Didn't, I caught you. I did not. Chris, Crane, like, how long have we been doing radio? 1997? Something like that. You deleted me, dude. Correll Buckalter no, was taking didn't. carries in the spring game. Okay. You probably just got a new iPad. No, well, no, I still have the same iPad. Um, new phone. No, uh, this doesn't mean he deleted you. This means he just never saved you. But I save, <laughs> right. I save about everything. I know, and I know. no, I Except it was me. always Except the me. it was always the four hundred two uh, number that we. I always give you some sort of morning sunshine, whatever, to make sure both our both our heads are right about six a.m. No, you really you literally text that just so folks know, like you literally <laughs> say morning sunshine at about six. That's about how I start every Saturday at about six eighteen. And and what that really means is, are you up? Like, and not not one of those that you send late at night. You up? No. no. And early morning, like, dude, you gonna be there? <laughs> I'm flying solo. That's what that is. That's a that's a status check. Is really what it is. No, it's a good morning, my friend. Good to spend time with you. I can't wait to do this radio. But yeah. listen, yeah, I, I legit this this week. And if there's evidence, I wish we could air it because I go to Elijah like, who the hell's saying this is my new number? And Elijah's like, I don't know. You don't ever not save a number. And and then that led to you guys like googling. Looking yes, at we were trying to. 
Is that Trev? <laughs> no, I is that, I. is that Frost? No, I'm I'm good. Is that T.O.? I'm good there. It's T.O. I'm good there. But I just like, who's is who is this? And lo and behold, it it's really an important number I didn't know, nor have. Yeah. Well, and see, I had wrongfully assumed I had written this is my new number, seeing the text thread that we had from 2018, <laughs> thinking that you would know with me. But now I know, you know, if it's a 2018 text, you have no use for it. By the way, if just having done this, I had had an iPhone and then also a Google Pixel. So uh-huh. I got to see kind of both sides, Android, iOS. I'm telling you, in the for what it's worth column, they are not paying me. Yet. Obviously. Yet, yet right? Go Android, man. I'm, I'm tell- the Pixel is just better. It's just better. Now, you do lose the text bubbles, mm. which are very exciting. You know when you're texting somebody and then all of a sudden you see the bubbles and you know that they're responding? Like, that's very exciting. What? You know, you're... You know what I'm talking about? Like, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. You're, someone's oh, they're they're not ignoring me. <laughs> dot, yeah, dot dot yeah. dot dot. And, and then the anticipation, like, what are they going to say? And then it goes. Oh my dark. goodness! You you lose that when you're texting people cross platform here. But other than that, it, it's it, I think it's fat. So for just you know those folks out there that are uh, kind of choosing, what do I do? I, I'd go Pixel. Hi, that's, Mark. That's, run that's the damn ball, Cranac here for my new yeah. smartphone. Uh, yeah. So hey. So let's dive into camp. How is everyone's hydration level this morning? What is that? You, so, so you just sent me this this morning, and it's a there's a, a chart. It's that a chart that, that is up in the Longhorn locker room. You've seen it on Facebook. You've seen it on Twitter before. Max Olton Olson, I uh, got to meet him at Shafe's wedding uh, with the Athletic. Put this out, and the Longhorn hydration chart, championship hydration. Uh, one equal, through three. One through three is just like white, little shade of yellow, like faded highlight yellow. It's like a gradient all the way down from white to brown, one through eight yes. in terms of your level. So what are you uh, depositing uh, when you go to the can in the morning? What's your hydration level? What uh, what type of health are you in? Well, I can say I was talking about this chart on Wednesday, actually. Okay. It's funny you should send this in this morning because on Wednesday, uh, after the show, I got home and I just had a stomach ache. I couldn't figure out why. Like, I was just not feeling good. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like uh, thinking back on my day and I went, you know what? I don't think I drank a lick of water all day. <laughs> like, it, it, and it hit whenever I I went to use the can, and it hurt. And I'm like, this isn't right. It hurt. <laughs> was it burning, Elijah? That might be something else. <laughs> no, it was not burning. Okay, There's good. no burning love was, going on. It, it was it was a weak stream, and it is. <laughs> I believe there's a free clinic on campus for students, just in case. <laughs> and well, well, I was like discussing with my roommate, like my stomach hurts. I'm not quite sure why. And then I explained this, and he says, "You're a bad guy." Yeah. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And then, and then it, uh, he sent me the hydration chart and said, "You're a bad guy." And the color was about accurate. The, the so there's four there's four levels yes. on this chart. So one through three, you are at championship hydration level. This is real, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then below that is selfish teammate, if you register a four through five. It means you like an old Milwaukee or 17 <laughs> occasionally. Be- below that is blatant disregard for your teammates. You are headed to, quote, area 51, unquote. <laughs> and then the worst one is you're a bad guy. Well, And this those- is Sarkeesian saying mm-hmm. hydration's been a problem, and he thought it was very important that they bring it up. But, and I'm like, of all people. 
Yes. Sarkeesian would know about hydration levels. He would. And those of us that lived in a kidney stone era have uh, have hit the, uh, the, the eight range on this chart uh, from time to time. Bad guy. Uh, I've been bad a bad guy, guy a lot, uh, allegedly. So, uh, Cranak, uh, let's talk a little bit here about week one. What's the optimism meter for Mark Skurs? That's why you follow Cranak on Twitter at Mark Skurs at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Where are you at, man? Are you, is that optimism meter creeping up after week yes. one of camp? Are you like clockwork? Right. Of course it is. It, it, that that sto- a big red storm's coming and it's wow. headed to Champaign three weeks from today. It's so hard not to believe, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, you're like, how is it not going to happen? They have 14 defensive linemen that can play. Right. You know, all the receivers are seven foot 12. You're just like, it's so hard not to get, but, but it's easy to kind of bring yourself back down when you just look back at recent records and say, no, I'm not going to do it just because I know these people's names does not mean they are going to be productive in the big 10 does not mean they're going to be productive in the big 10. But as you, as you look across it, I was thinking about this, Chris. We could spend literally an entire segment or more just talking about the defensive line and the amount of options that you have there. Now, are there any Grant Wistrom All-Americans on that defensive line? Eh, No. Probably not. Not not yet. But are there multiple potential draft picks? Yes. Sure. And I count crap. At least three. Staley, at least three Daniels, yep. Robinson. Robinson, at least those guys, and then Casey Rogers has a shot. I like Rogers, J- Jordan Riley. We don't really know yet. Ruquan Buckley, he's a few years away, but big dude. Nash Hutmacher, right? Like Pol- Polar Bear. Yeah, there was some nice praise like, by by Coach Tuioti on Polar Bear with what he's been. But doing. you have on a three man front. You have what six guys that have legitimate playing experience that you could rotate in and out at least at least four right uh, rogers stilly robinson daniels like you know what you're getting with those guys they're productive don't forget d train d train's oh, been battling yeah, back time. from from injury and he's reshaped his body and he's flashed mm-hmm. in the past like absolutely who he, are you most ex- who are you most excited about on the defensive line let's talk mm-hmm. about that 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 optimism level, right? Where's the meter at? Where's the dial? And if you had to pick one of the often, excuse me, one of the defensive linemen that you're gonna kind of ride with or buy stock in, who is it? Because let's let's be honest, you have questions about the running game. You're wondering about the wide receivers. You know that potential turning into reality. Saturday afternoons or Saturday night under the lights. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball with all that experience back well the 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 true difference maker that will make this defense go from good slash decent slash respectable to good to great Mm -hmm. is going to be a pass rush okay and it's going to be getting after somebody on uh, an obvious passing down or it's going to blow up a drive early on on a first or second down Who's that guy? Is it going to be an outside backer? Is it a guy that's got their hand in the dirt? And there's a ton of candidates. And 
from a scheme standpoint, this goes back to, to early Monday with, with Coach Janander talking uh, about scheming open or just winning the one-on-one battle. You can do either way, but mm-hmm. what's Nebraska going to have to do? We hearken back to 09. Well, 09 had, you want to talk NFL dudes, 09 had a ton of NFL guys on the roster, but all they had to do was sit back and, and base defense or or just drop your normal seven and let your four pass rushers, Pierre Allen, Barry Turner, and Dominican Sue, and uh, Jared Crick, go murder a quarterback mm-hmm. all by yep. themselves. They could all win one-on-one battles, and they got a lot of one-on-one battles because Sue was dancing with three dudes. You know, I mean, my mm-hmm. thing here is I, I like what Robinson can do as a run stopper already. What's the next level for his game? I think he can be a special ball player. Uh, ben Stilley is 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 you know old hat and and really nice, especially when they put him at nose on third down. He can get after it. I'm excited about a guy like Polar Bear, just what he can do collapsing the interior of the pocket. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's things that you do, and you don't always have to sack the guy, but man, you want to hurry, you want to get a hit, you want to n- knock a ball down, you want to force uh, a quick throw. That's, that's inaccurate. I mean, it doesn't always have to yeah. be sack, take to the ground, loss of four, second and 14. So yeah. that mm-hmm. to me is, you know, who am I most excited about? I, I'm probably going to look at a name that is is very familiar, but what what can he do as a force in the middle? And that's, and that's Snacks Daniels, right? Yeah. If, if yeah. he's a guy that can put X number of plays together, right? Man, he can he can blow things up, and he's he's again. It, it's kind of hype season right now, but from from what Coach Tuioti's talking about, and just how there's some bravado there with Daniels, he's a guy I I might buy stock in. That that's that's where I think I'm I might be spending my money. He's so it's there are a couple of things there with defensive line. I think the underappreciated thing about the. 09 and 2010 defenses is the level of conditioning those guys had (laughs) to where they didn't have to come (laughs) off the field and they maintained a level of productivity throughout a game that most D lines just didn't right because they were in supreme physical shape that's that's the other thing about Sue like yes he was super disruptive crazy athletic super strong but the dude did not tire out (laughs) right he found a he found another gear throughout the game no matter what um, and was just as strong in the fourth quarter. You know, you just didn't have to take him off the field. Well, it, um, it was a little bit easier whenever the you weren't out there for 15 play drives, whenever you could actually get some three and outs. I feel like it's a little bit easier to, to stay, stay fresh. Helps. I feel like you have that with Stilly. He, he's intrigued me ever since mm. he was recruited, just because he was playing safety, he's returning kicks, he's punting. They split him out as a tight end. So you know he has athleticism. And then you couple that with him being a state champion wrestler, mm-hmm. where you know he has really good cardiovascular conditioning and endurance just kind of built in. You can't wrestle without that stuff. Um, and then now he's had this time six years to, sh- to reshape his body, get used to that body at, at 290 pounds or 295 or whatever he's listed at. Now he's used to that weight. He's in great condition. Remember the Penn state sack that he had or the, or the, I don't even know if it was a sack as much as it was. They, it was a quarterback hurry. I can't remember. But the end I of the game. I think he Penn got State credit game. for the sack where it was the hammer right. throw, right? I mean, it yeah. was the hammer throw oh. of the quarterback. And so, but that showed 
you know, and the, by that point, remember, Penn State was on the field a lot. And that defensive line was, you know, really had to dig deep just physically to, to be able to still produce. And he's the guy that did. Right. And it's because of his conditioning. Uh, he was ready to go all the way to the very end. So you got him. You got that, that kind of stalwart. And then you have and I was exactly going to go there, too. You have Daniels. He has the most disruptive capability by far. He, he even showed that a couple of years ago at Iowa. I think when he was a freshman. Um, where they brought him in, he could only play a few snaps. But when he did, you know, the the offensive line moved back, and all of a sudden Iowa's run game was not doing really well. But you couldn't count on him more, for more than a couple of plays, and Iowa ended up getting the win. So if that if that guy can even increase his product or his um, just the number of plays he can be in, um, you know, by I don't know three to four snaps a drive or something like that. He's your disruptive guy. And then I think you have Robinson and Casey Rogers and DeAndre Thomas that fall somewhere in the middle of those three. Um, Robinson's just going to continue to develop. He's got size you can't teach. I think Rogers is, is sort of from that stilly mindset of just like you, you call it a motor, but it's also just physically being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Just physically being in good enough condition to do it. And he was a multi-sport athlete. He played lacrosse and other sports. So he's, he's probably got a different level of conditioning than some of the other guys. So I I just feel like you have so many options on the defensive line to where you can just keep fresh bodies coming at people coming at an offense on the regular. And they're all competent players. It's not just that you have numbers. It's like you have numbers of guys that have produced, they have absolutely produced. And now you're sprinkling in a Jordan Riley, who's kind of an X factor that we don't really know about. But physically, when you see him, I was at Fan Day. I took the kids to Fan Day. Jordan Riley sticks out. I mean, well, he, he sticks had his, out. He had his own table, dude. Just, I mean, physically, the guys sit. And then Jalen Weaver. Oh my God, I was going to bring him up. We I'm, we talked to his coach last fall when he committed Weaver, and at the time he was like six eight two eighty. He's listed at six eight three twenty on the Huskers he, website. He, he looks. He was kind of stomping around post practice, <laughs> and you know we're all gathered for you know the the recording slash speaking session with this was Chenander and there's Jalen Weaver marching along and six eight three twenty. I mean just and, and that's dude that's just not even true. Giant He's way north of that. He's way north of that. He, they, he was out, so, he was not in Cranac, and he just yeah. looked like a mountain. He, he ran the second leg of his team's four by one hundred meter dash last year in high school, and, and I'm sure he's probably put on some weight since then, just because three twenty is a lot to be carrying a hundred meters. But if he can live up to that athletic freak billing that he had whenever he came in here, I mean, you would, you could think he could be getting playtime sooner rather than later. But the question is, is you know, him and Buckley both have come in. Ahead of schedule because guys, of their gifts. Guys, Go ahead. Tony Tuioti this week said that he was encroaching on 400 pounds. He didn't look like it, though. I go 6'8", 320. I'm like, okay, he looked big, yes, but it was more the, the, the height and, and then the, the way his, his body was carrying whatever it was carrying, and it didn't look sloppy is where I'm going. So, and then on top of that, on the so Adrian Martinez does a podcast now. Yes, he had Trevor Robinson and Damian Daniels on, and asked about hey, who are some of the freaks on the defensive line? Both of them 
we're like uh, Jalen Weaver, like, whoa. And Damian Daniels, like, he's like, hey, you give it a couple years, I'm talking two-time All-American. And Robinson's like, that dude's going to hurt some people. So, like, here are some veteran defensive linemen that are playing that are just like, whoa, this guy is different. And so if you can get a few snaps out of him, special packages, you bring in this guy that's just a monster. Now, will it happen? We don't know. And it's hype season, mm-hmm. of course. But I'm telling you, at Fan Day, I've seen I've seen two human beings that just like basically make you drop your jaw that have been in a Husker uniform. And Tony Tuioti, or not Tony Tuioti, sorry, uh, Tanio Finotti. Yeah, Finotti was. Finotti, you ju- if you just saw him walking around, you're just like, what? How how, do, how are heads made that large? You're just <laughs> like you can't even believe the size of the per you're just like if you wore a fitted hat it would be like a 10 and a half they don't even make those um they had to special order his helmet for sure like i just what and then the other guy was Lydon murtaugh just physically yeah. when you saw him in person you're like what the how how how, how are you real weavers like that just physically like he's he's in on the table with all these defensive linemen, Stilly, Daniels, Riley, Buckley, Huttmacher, and they all look like just school children next to him. You, just, <laughs> you cannot believe his size. I'm telling you. Will, and you will notice, like the second he actually trots on the field, you're going to be like, who's number 50? What the? Uh. Now, if, and if he can actually move and do something for you? There's, there's a lot of athleticism with Weaver. The the to to bring this back round with you know who you buy in stock in on the defensive line and hype season and that optimism meter. I the thing that makes me excited about Daniels, if I'm a Nebraska fan, is you need somebody on that line to to get some attention from the rest of the offensive line, so you can open up said one on one matchups right. And yep. if and if Snacks is getting double teamed. And still anchor in that middle. That's that's good. That's good for a Robinson, and and that's good for a, a Hutmacher. That's good for a Stilly. That's great for a Casey Rogers or a D Train or whoever they 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 settle on for their their three down linemen. You're going to have a fourth rusher somewhere come in, and and that's that's what I'd be about. And the thing that that you're excited about too is just the progress Nebraska made. They were better. All right, they were better against the run. They were good against the run a lot of the time during the season. Uh, you know, Illinois games, Illinois game. That's that that was not good. But for the most part, Nebraska looked different with teams trying to yep. line up and smash mouth them. It wasn't happening yep. for the first time no. in a long time last year. No, Ohio State struggled to do it even right. Like they they were effective, but it was it was not a walk in the Ohio park. Ohio State made their money going deep. Yeah. Exactly. Ohio State. I mean, really, the only team that made their hay on the ground against Nebraska Illinois. was Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the outlier. Everybody else kind of Minnesota to a degree. Fourth quarter, um, you know, after you yeah. did nothing offensively for three quarters. Yeah, to a degree the they did too. Yeah. So, I mean, you have that alone. Like the defensive line alone. Like if you could choose, if you're starting a program and you you know take it to like uh compare it to like say a video game where you like assign a a score or a quality level to each unit i i would choose either offensive line or defensive line 
Sure. Right. If if you had to just choose one group that you're just going to make, you know, scale all the way up to 100 in terms of ability level, you're choosing offensive line or defensive line, right? Like that's just your best opportunity because they can just screw stuff up before. It doesn't matter if you have great receivers, if if you have a defensive lineman in your quarterback's face the whole game, it just doesn't matter, right? Ask, ask Frank Costa about that, <laughs> right? Like ask ask Danny Werfel about that. If you're playing at home. Yeah, just like Frank you know. Costa has been called on the Hale Varsity Saturday morning bingo card. <laughs> well, but I'm sitting right like that. Look, he had great receivers. Uh-huh. Florida had great receivers, but Nebraska's defensive line was in his face the whole time. And so it didn't matter. So that's what you would pick. You'd pick defensive line. You'd pick offensive line and defensive line where Nebraska's at right now is in really good shape to the point where. You could sustain an injury or two and probably be okay. Right. And I don't, I don't think there's a lot of position groups on many college teams, period, that you can say that about. But with the six year, um, with t- working with Duvall for three years, with the way they've recruited, they're in solid shape there. And that is a great place to start for a, for a Big Ten team. Oh, and you got to have depth along all your positions where you can sustain an injury or two at just about every single position. That's the depth you're trying to build. Injuries are going to happen in, in, the, uh, in the Big Ten, especially along the, the front seven on defense and especially along uh, your offensive line. I mean, the only position I feel like you should feel like you can go in and have your one guy for a season is quarterback. And even then, when how, with how much Nebraska has run their quarterback in recent years, uh, mm-hmm. you got to expect that. I mean, Adrian, if he's running the ball at the same clip he was last year, which God, I hope he, he does not running the ball as much as he was last year. I mean, you got to expect that he's going to pick up some knocks just because you're going up against physical Big Ten defenses. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel confident about the depth along the offensive line. I think they can. Uh, they can still play well through a couple injuries. The defensive line, I think in the secondary, you feel good if, if there's some injuries. Uh, where I'm concerned about injuries, uh, at wide receiver, uh, I know we had Greg Smith on yesterday saying he felt good about the, the top six guys that they have at wide receiver, but if you have one or two guys go down to injury, I, I'm not sure you have the depth at wide receiver to be able to sustain uh, that same level of play, and I feel the same about that linebacker position ever since Will Honus went down, that uh, whenever you're, this Nebraska defense uses four linebackers a game that rotate in and out, if you have one or two guys go down along the, the linebackers, I, I feel a little worried about that, but generally this is the most confident I have felt about depth uh, on Husker football team since Scott Frost has arrived. Another name, no another name to to remember that's gotten some run early in camp is Colton Feist. Yep. Uh, he's a is a walk on that's kind of wild. He's at six two two eighty out of UTAN. Uh, percentage of tackles by defensive linemen returning. Your tackles made on the line of scrimmage by defensive linemen ninety almost ninety seven percent back. So when we talk returning right. production. The thing that you want to see jump in 2021, sacks by a defensive lineman. One and a half by Ben Stilley. You had eight by Khalil Davis in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would like to see that production increase, and you'd also like to see – but you also have to keep in mind, I, I don't care where the sacks are coming from as long as they're happening. Yeah. Right, and so if it's the defensive line's job to just eat up blockers so linebackers can do it or someone can come off the edge or so JoJo can come off the edge or Cam Taylor Britt or whoever, um, that's fine by me. And I'll tell you the other quick observation because I know we're up against the clock here. Um, Quick observation just from fan day, and this is just physically looking at people, right? It's um, So take it with a grain of salt, but Gabe Irvin, he's built different. 
than the other running backs. He just is. Wingspan, shoulders, athlete. Like, yeah, exactly. Like he he taking nothing away from the other guy. Yant is huge. Scott's a little brick. Sevian's kind of like you know quintessential, like just you know well proportioned, all that. Um, but Irvin. He, to me, he he stood out physically. He looked a lot different than the others. So I understand why he's getting the run that he is. And then plus, when you saw him in the spring game, you can understand it too. I think that's your front runner for running back. Be nice to have a couple of uh, workhorses emerge. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal producing as uh, we'll hit the rewind. It is the Great Rib Judgment Day, as they say, is... The smoke's flowing in Boulder. Not that smoke, but Gary Barnett is... Both kinds of smoke, right, probably. But, but at the Barnett household, it's it's the smoker, the ribs that, that are going on. So we'll talk some college football, some thoughts on the Nebraska season with Coach Barnett in the Rewind, Brandon Vogel at the 8 o'clock hour, and then the Iron Horse Gary Sharp at 8.30. Thanks for spending time on a Saturday with Hale Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery Coach Barnett next. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We welcome in the coach with Northwestern in Colorado, Gary Barnett with his coach. How are we doing today? Uh, Chris, it's getting close to this big rib cook-off. I'm getting a little nervous. Oh, coach, I, I got to go with the, the build-up, the lead-up. Have you picked out the, uh, the, the baby backs yet? I've got the baby backs, you know. I've, I've got 24 hours to make a decision, and I'm I'm watching the barbecue channel, you know, which is that's not a good thing to do. It's like I read Golf Digest before a golf tournament and always come up with something that might work, and it never works. And so I got I got to settle down here, you know. But uh, we've got the trophy all picked out, and uh, you know. Church isn't playing golf on Saturday morning. We always play with golf on Saturday morning. He's not playing. Mm. And so now I'm getting really nervous. Okay, so let's relate this back to football without getting into too crazy a detail. Did you have to go through a similar process before they're all big games, but before the really, really big games with, with not outthinking yourself? Yeah, exactly right. And uh, as you know, when I was with Coach McCartney, he did a lot of that, (laughs) and I just didn't like it. Then I found out I was the head coach, and all of a sudden I start doing that. I'm going, oh no, I can't do this to these guys. But yeah, you'd always think, you know, you you don't you turn over every stone all the way up until kickoff, and uh, you know that can drive you nuts. Or you never know. You think it may find you, get you a first down that you you need in a game like that. So, yeah, it's the same process. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to uh, to make it out uh, tomorrow. I was, I should say, for Saturday. But will you send me a pick or send us a pick of of your ribs if you go with the wet or the dry rub and and of course the the winning uh, slab of ribs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll give you a picture of churches, and I'll give you a, a, a churches, and I'll give you a picture of ours, and then we'll see who wins. So. That, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty good. The the great Coach Barnett rib off is underway Saturday, and uh, you are a rib perfectionist. You are a guy who loves to smoke ribs, and that's that's really cool. Uh, Coach, I, I'm interested uh, with. 
a lot of things here as we talk fall camp and we look at Nebraska and we look at college football in general. Take me through the mental part of the game. We kind of just touched on it, but I'm interested in, in you know, that aspect of, of Nebraska football as they go into 2021 with – the, 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 there's some noise, there's some pressure, there's always internal pressure in your own standards, but just getting your team's mind right with, with the confidence aspect. Yeah, and, you know, here's what you do. Uh, you, you say, all right, who are we? Okay, you talk about who you were last year, uh, the changes that have been made between last year to this year, and then you say, uh, where are we going? And uh, you establish where this team wants to go because you've talked to all your players. You let them know what that is. You, you discuss it briefly with them. And then you tell them how you're going to get there. And um, you outline your plan at that time. Now, part of that plan always includes the 90-10 Concept The 90-10 means 90% of our time was going to be spent on chasing our goals and our dreams and 10% on internal issues. If we can do that, we will have a really good football team. But the minute that 10% goes to 15, 20, 25, or 30%, meaning that those leaders let internal issues creep into your locker room, into your situation, then all of a sudden your chances of being good are reduced almost 50%. So uh, you, you really emphasize that, and you want your team to play very businesslike. You don't want them to be high. You don't want them to get too low. You know, you want them to operate at the same level all the time emotionally, and you drill it in and you talk about it the very first day. You also put as much responsibility as you can on the players because it's their team. It's not Coach Frost's team. It's their team. Where do they want this to go? Here's what they have to do in order to do that, and that's how you're going to get there. So, you know, that's that's your first meeting, your first practice, and your, your theme as you start the season. That's a good theme. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, a thought on the red zone. Nebraska's spent uh, – more time or earlier time, I should say, in, in their practice. At least that's been told to us by a couple of the assistants uh, working on the red zone. Nebraska doesn't have a problem getting into scoring territory, crossing the 50, crossing the 40, getting inside the 20, and even closer to the goal line. But when it comes to cashing in and finishing, uh, that's something that they need uh, need to go right for them. And you know how hard that is in the Big Ten against Big Ten defenses and D coordinators. You know, what was kind of your philosophy? How did you go to work on any red zone problems you may have? And obviously you want to you want a bread and butter play down there uh, to, to make it a little easier. Well, Chris, and that's a problem that every mediocre team has. And, and so... Um, you know, it's so important that you cash in exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, but And you said you want a bread-and-butter play. You want a bread-and-butter series. You want something that they don't have to think about, that they know whatever adjustment the defense throws at them, they know what to do in that situation. And you, you have it built in so that you practice it over and over and the guys get confidence. 
and it's it's you should be able to run it without even like the whole series, the three or four plays that you've got in the series down there, and so you don't have to huddle it. You they know you line up and you run it, and um, you know you you don't get to run it every game. You get to run it every other game or every three games, and of course you you know after a couple of games you build in a few wrinkles here and there, but it's the confidence factor that's really important down there. Coach Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, for years in the Big Ten, it felt like the bread-and-butter plays were ISO, power, those classic I-formation running plays. Do you feel that that shift in the Big Ten towards, you know, the, the bread-and-butter plays being zone reads, RPOs, like how the Big Ten is just changing as we are getting into this, this new era of college football? Yeah, a little bit, but you know, it's it's uh, your safest play is still a quarterback carry, and it's one of your your key plays. I mean, I I really believe that on uh, um, inside the red zone and on third and shorts that it's really hard to stop the quarterback because you always have an extra blocker when you run the quarterback, and the the key play in the red zone is the first down, and uh, so I think short yardage. And I think in the red zone, first down especially, that you see and should see a lot of quarterback carries in those situations. Yeah, you And you've got a great guy carrying the football there. Well, you do. And Adrian's been good carrying the ball. Now, the ball security side of things has, mm-hmm. has been a talking point, And that's just uh, quarterbacks, the more they carry, the more they have a chance to cough up because, you know, they're not usually getting drilled. Uh, in practice, right? So, what, what's your take on on how you'd use Adrian? Let's let's just take Adrian back to an offense you had at Colorado or Northwestern. Would you put a a, a pitch count on him running the ball this year? Probably not. No, no, I, I don't think I would. I mean, he's a competitor. He's an athlete. He's learned a lot in the three years prior to this. Um, He's hard to stop, you know. Uh, it, the ball's not heavy, and so I, you know, and he wants to run it. Yeah. And so I, no, I you just get him, you just get him confident that that he's the key in in short yardage and in uh, uh, goal line situations, especially uh, first down in the red zone. And so no, I wouldn't put a pitch count on him necessarily. You can't do that on a quarterback that's. Uh, uh, his caliber and uh, the kind of offense that you have. Uh, so, no, I don't think I would. Now, you know, as the season wears on, I might think about that, but but no, not initially. Initially, he's my guy, and until one of these tailbacks prove that he's a lot better runner with the ball than Adrian, uh, Adrian's going to get his shot. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. The great Barnett rib-off on Saturday. We're talking Nebraska preseason. Take me through that as as a coach working through uh, and trying to pare down to a, a, a go-to number one and a, a nice number two. There, there are guys to pick from at Nebraska, but no one's uh, stood out over the last couple, three seasons or been able to, to take it and run since Divina Zigbo. Is, is it uh, stressful trying to, to figure out the, the trust level with a freshman or even a, a grad transfer? You've played both uh, upperclassmen and, and, and uh, freshmen at that running back spot at the skill spot. Well, I don't know that you always know coming out of camp. 
what you've got. I, I, for example, 2001, Chris Brown, uh, we finished camp and he was probably number three, but he did have two runs in camp where he ran through our entire defense. That never happens in camp uh, because you're usually playing against your first defense. But, um, you, you know, I, I think if you if you approach it a certain way that that all three of you guys are going to play and you're all going to be critical, uh, I don't know if you need a one-two punch. Um, you just play the player that gets hot sometimes and um, they all know that they're going to play they're all you know play the same position they all get the same coaching and then you've got to you know share the reps with them and especially early on to find out who the guy is for for each kind of play because for example 2001 Cortland Johnson was an all-conference all big 12 tailback and he was probably our third best tailback but he was so good in third downs and with screen passes and things like that that he became a really valuable player and ends up being all conference. Chris Brown and Bobby Purify weren't. So, you know, you, you, you play to their strengths a little bit as much as you can. Does matchup, does matchup also speak to Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we went to K-State, and we knew that was going to be a heck of a physical game. Uh, and, you know, Chris Brown just, we gave him the ball almost every time because he was a big physical back, and that's the kind of game it was. So, yeah, matchups have a great deal to do with it. Gary Barnett, Coach, how'd you shoot today? You know, I had a great first nine and the second nine wasn't so good I, I had to practice for about an hour and a half so that i could sleep tonight <laughs> i'm sure it was it was pretty solid <laughs> coach i want you to have a great rib off on saturday enjoy the ribs uh make folks smile and uh and win that uh, that trophy all right yeah, well, the trophy's a farting pig. So uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture. Of the, maybe I can't say that on the radio. You're but fine. Whatever you I just did. <laughs> a farting pig. Where do, you, where do you get those? Amazon. Is that where, yeah, you have everything. Amazon. You can get it. Yep. Well, uh, good luck with the pig. <laughs> and, uh, and smoke them ribs. Uh, All right, Chris. Have a great one. You too. Take care, Coach. Appreciate Bye-bye. you. There he is. Good stuff from the coach, Gary Barnett. Uh, The quest for the farting pig begins today in Boulder with the the great Barnett rib-off. We'll see how that uh, shakes out. Hmm? I'm not sure if we have Mark Cranach. Cranach, you with us, bud? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, we, 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 I think we, we kind of ambushed Mark here. Yes. No, <laughs> I'm sort of surprised. You know, normally at this time, the rewind runs through, we go to commercial, and then we hit the top of the hour. No, that's fine. <laughs> and, uh, you know. That's Coach what? Barnett talking about his rib off in Boulder today, and uh, the prize is a farting pig. Have you ever judged a barbecue contest? We, we, do that twice. we almost made the trip to Boulder. To, mm. to be a judge for the Barnett ribboff. Dude, look, barbecue is fantastic. You know who Being has judged? You know who has judged barbecue? It's Brandon oh. Vogel. Mm. Mm. We should talk to him. No, we, we, we will. In about 10 minutes, Brandon Vogel is in the on deck circle. Gary Sharp with us. And we're winding down hour one. But yeah, a shorter uh, sit down with Coach this week. But good insight. Great insight on, you know, kind of getting your team mentally prepped 
And and that's the the one question we have about Nebraska. It's not the talent or the ability, but uh, can they go do it? Right? They yeah. they've they want to win. They haven't won. How do you jump that uh, and clear that hurdle? Hour two on the way. Hail Varsity Radio. The Hail Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, weekend edition, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach and at Herbal Essence for Elijah. Uh, let's talk some uh, football and some barbecue and uh, all things here uh, with uh, volleyball. We, we we welcome in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. His book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how's your Saturday, man? Oh, it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm alone on baby care today. So just letting you know from the top, this, this radio spot could go south in a hurry. We'll, we'll see. Well, I think Junior's more than welcome to make his uh, his radio debut if he if he feels so inclined. And so so what what uh, brandy and cigars here in a couple hours or what what's the plan? Oh yeah, we're gonna do it all. He's only 14 weeks, but we're gonna go golfing. We're gonna play catch, go fishing. You know, all, all the all the son father son stuff. Well, in three weeks you can tailgate again. There we go. That sounds pretty good. So, I'm going to dive into this before football. Uh, we had a, a, a lively corn conversation yesterday on the show, how people like their corn. Uh, Vogues, you've been a barbecue judge, and uh, maybe maybe next year we'll get out to Boulder for the great uh, Barnett rib-off. But Coach Barnett's proud of his ribs. And you, how many, how many um, barbecue contests have you judged? Uh, have I have I actually judged zero? I just got certified to be a judge because I wanted to know what judges look for. Ah, so, okay, that's weird. Yeah. I've judged but have never been certified. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> there you go. Combined, we could be a force. So, yeah, that, that's a wonderful pitch for a road trip to Boulder next year. Uh, I'll bring you both with. I'm interested. Okay, so what do you look for? What are you supposed to look for when it comes to to barbecue judging? Uh, well, with with ribs in particular, since I know that's uh, kind of that's that's Coach Coach Barnett's five star player. Uh, it, you know, people really like. Very- fall off the bone, moist, tender ribs. Uh, with that, you actually don't, for, for like competition barbecue, you don't want them fall off the bone. You kind of want to be able to take a bite have the rib stay there um, instead of completely disintegrate. So that's one of them. Uh, pole test with brisket is, is a good one. A good way to know if you've got uh, properly cooked brisket is just to hold it vertically, hold a slice of it vertically and try and pull it apart. It should give you a little bit of resistance, but should actually pull apart a, a dry brisket. Lincoln Riley's brisket will, will not will not pass the pull test. <laughs> 
Well, those are two uh, two things to note uh, when uh, when smoking season happens. Vogue, some takeaways. What's the poll test like uh, with uh, week one of camp here? Uh, it felt kind of like week one. I mean, I think the, the big question coming out of it and, well, going into it, coming out of it, and for the next three weeks remains a running back probably for me. Um, the O-line talk this week was, was pretty interesting uh, just in terms of some of the things they were talking about then, but it, it's kind of a classic example of, you know, it's all <laughs> – until, until we get to see this team take the field against Illinois – you got to try and personally balance everything out and, and believe what you want to believe to, to a certain degree. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, what, what about the offensive line? What about the talk? And what about, um, I guess, what do you make of it? Yeah, you know, so a lot of the talk, I mean, Greg Austin <laughs> had, had a lot of people probably Googling horizontal leadership. Uh, earlier this week, which is pretty interesting. And, and just the way that, you know, you've kind of got two groups of guys that seem pretty close-knit. And it's an interesting blend of, you know, a guy like Cameron Jurgens who played a lot of football up. You've got what I think are two really high-talent tackles, um, but they're still fairly new. Uh, Turner Corcoran is, is one of the more, you know, he, he's getting talked about a little bit, but uh, he, he's one of the more fascinating guys. I think pivotal guys for Nebraska this season. If he can be like, he's going to be good. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain about that. How much does he look like a redshirt freshman who's played one game, you know, getting thrown in there, presumably a tackle for Nebraska this season. I think that's one of the key questions. And I think he'll, I think he'll perform pretty well, but again, it's one of those things you just kind of, you, you take it on faith here in August. Vogues, there's this balancing act, and in, in, we were talking the hype meter, right? As we get closer to kickoff, the the hype kind of increases. It's kind of like the old Shano meter, Sean Dunstan and, and Wrigley, right? You'd, you'd see a great surge in July before August would happen. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the Nebraska fan base is – more reserved, at least the what you see socially on social media, with their their just blind faith. Dive in; it's going to be a great year. It's it's measured. They don't want to be hurt again. But in the same sense, I I listen to the coaches and the players, and and more so the players. And the players have been doing more of the the positive accolades about one another and that's all well and good and great but i don't know man uh i i guess count me in that pool of i, I think they can have a, a really good year if if we're talking uh expectations to go bowling if we're talking win total here i mean i guess right now I'm on the side of they, they do better than just 500. I think there's enough talent to, to do it, and I know that talent needs to translate, but I guess I'm, I'm a little more confident in that happening. The winning part is where I want you to go. Do you, con, do you have concerns about this team knowing how to win? I think, I think there's a, a deal of that, uh, or a, a, a decent amount of that. Uh, they've just... It, over the past three seasons, Nebraska has found itself trailing a lot early, um, which happens. You know, 
good to great teams come over, overcome that with Nebraska and, and with the way they're built between offense and defense, I think they're a team that really thrives on, on kind of getting momentum early. And I'm talking like early in games, but I think you could also talk about this at the season level of, of getting that momentum early, which provides an advantage to any team, but, but certainly this one, and then kind of leaning on that advantage to get even more aggressive. And that's been one of the disconnects that I is and three early on, you kind of got to get back in it before you can dial up the aggressiveness, both offensively and defensively to, I think where they want to operate at, you know, at a normal level. And that's been the difficult part. So but at, at the season level, you know, sure. It's, it's Illinois under a new coaching staff, but a conference road game to open the year feels absolutely pivotal um, with that. And you come home feeling pretty good, lose that one. And well, <laughs> you've got Fordham at 11 a.m. for the home opener. And you know, and one, uh, it's not exactly the ideal kind of environment. I think you would hope for, for, your first game, your first game back in Memorial Stadium with fans in the stands. So, it, you know, this is the case in Nebraska, I think, for three seasons is can you get that momentum early and then what happens? Because I do think it would look very different. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, let's look at wide receiver real quick. There's, there wasn't a ton of wide receiver production last year, period. Wandale was the most productive one. He's gone. So you're not bringing back a ton of that. Is From all your years of looking into st- statistics and trends, probabilities, is that a huge deal? Like, is it okay? Can, can you expect that a receiving core that is largely untested – can you expect that, I mean, can they put up numbers or does historically, statistically, does it say that, no, they're unlikely to do that? Yeah, so there's, there's two, two things there um, that I just know from looking at the past. And one is kind of returning production at receiver along with quarterback are the two that are kind of most highly correlated or most strongly correlated to improving the following year. So Nebraska does, um, unfortunately, which we knew was going to be the case the moment Wondell Robinson transferred because he was just such a huge share of all of their receiving production last year. So there's that part of it. That part, if you were just looking, kind of leads you to be a little bit less bullish, I think, on, on the offensive total production in 2021. That said, like, receiver is – Players, um, let's let's Vogues, Vogues, I'm going to interrupt you. Forgive me for doing that. We're going to redial you and just get a, get another connection with you. We are missing half of the gold you're laying down, brother. So we'll get right back with okay. you in two seconds. Thank you so much. Cranach, uh, good question about the wideouts. We're going to reconnect with Vogel. Thank you. I majored in journalism. No, so no, it's absolutely. not surprising that my question was really good. I absolutely trained for that. I've been training for this man my whole life. (laughs) No, but it's, it's an exciting time because you have 
a lot of unknown. You have a lot of unknown, but man, that potential's there. And I think one of the the frustrating parts for Nebraska fans is they've been waiting on that potential for a while. And it's not just this staff or this recruiting class, but it's you know it's kind of culminated in a lot of years, right? I mean, it's well, it's, pick, it's been a buildup. Picture this: if you want to go five wide and you want to bring in your two tight ends, but split them out, sure, flex them, right, or split one of them out. Think think about this, like. It doesn't mean it's, it's, you're going to score touchdowns every time, but think about this. You would have Manning at 6'4", Austin Allen at 6'9". Toure. Toure at 6'3", Betts at 6'2", Vokalek at 6'6". <laughs> Dude, that, I mean, I, I don't even know that I've ever seen on any level of football, for real, like that amount of size. It's good front line. And, and I mean, it, and it's the all 500 team. Right. Remember playing 500 right. in the backyard? Huh? It Look, it, does that mean that it'll actually work? But I'm just saying just in terms of sheer. So like that is not an easy deal if you're a five foot ten corner or nickel or six foot safety mm-hmm. and you are just outsized that much across the board. Uh, it's it's intriguing. It, it, that's the best way to put it. Right. It's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Is it going to work? I don't know. But you have that option now on the roster, which is crazy. And it's not it's not that unrealistic of a thing to expect either. No, because you look like at all five of those dudes are going to play. Yeah, you look at the size, the skill set, the ability. Let's bring Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity back in. Vogel, thanks for reconnecting with us. Back to to the the intrigue with the wide receiver group, where you were going with what the, the potential is, and the and the reality can be on Saturdays. Yeah, so sorry about that. Don't know where I dropped off, but like the, the Reader's Digest version of, of what I was getting to is Nebraska's lack of returning production at receiver traditionally is, is not a great sign for an offense kind of improving its the points it's capable of producing. That said, we've also seen, and we've seen it locally as well, in recent years, it's a spot where you can find some difference makers who are young or maybe just inexperienced. And and Nebraska is going to need a little bit of that. I mean, Samari Ture is, is not inexperienced. He's just inexperienced at this level, and I have very little concerns about that. Um, you know, Oliver Martin is a guy that I'm really high. I think he's going to be high receptions for them. Uh, has been around. has been in two different Big Ten programs prior to this one. Uh, still waiting to play his most football, and I think that'll come this year. And then, so that gives you, you know, some guys who have just at least been around. Omar Manning played in junior college. So it's not, you're not starting from scratch. It's not a bunch of freshmen you're throwing out there, but they just haven't kind of produced necessarily at this level or for Nebraska or in some cases both. So it, it gives you a little bit of pause, but I feel pretty good about Nebraska's receiver group as a whole. I feel like one of the, the talking points that hasn't been discussed all that much through fall camp has been the departure of Wandale Robinson because people are, are excited for the potential of these other wide receivers coming in. Um, but it does leave a, a Wandale-sized hole in this offense, especially at that Duckar position. Uh, do you expect the, the Duckar position to be a, you know, a, a big part of this offense still going forward? Or, or with these completely new crop of wide receivers, do you think the offense is going to move in a different direction away from that Duckar position? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll still be a part of things, and I think Nebraska will still get creative. But I don't think you will see them lean on that position as as much as they they had to over these these past two seasons. And you know, with with Robinson, like 
it would certainly be better to have him and, and be talking about this wide receiver group with everything he had done over two seasons. I think part of that is the reason he doesn't come up more is, well, you know, the offense hadn't produced a ton in 2019 and 2020 through no fault of his own. Like they would have been in a much worse spot without him, but you could see just how much they had to, to lean on that person. And, and when the offensive results and, and the wins didn't come just doing that alone, I think it kind of underscored that, Hey, they're still missing pieces around that spot. So I think they'll be okay in the slot. You know, you probably won't see as much. I mean, you'll still see a ton of motion, I think. You probably won't see as many carries out of that spot. And that's probably a good thing for the offense as a whole. Brendan Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Uh, Vogues, real quick on, on Coach Lubick, his influence. And, you know, what does Nebraska, I don't want to say shift toward, but but what do they look like under more of an influence with Lubick and Greg Austin? Um, I mean, it'll, it'll be a little bit uh, one of our first chances to see it. I mean, I know you know Lubick has offensive coordinator stints, but so much of the, I think what Nebraska is going to be in twenty twenty one is reacting to kind of the depth and talent they have. You know, talking about fall camp takeaways from week one, one of the most interesting i think nuggets was was sean beckman saying like hey we've kept drop charts you know charts charts that are just meant to to track how often we got to make these guys run a lap for for dropping a catchable ball and he used that as a way in to talk about but our, our tight ends are getting the ball a lot more so it's, it's one thing to kind of say yeah we're going to use the tight ends more but here was real like evidence that beckman was really share that hey through i think it was three practices or four practices at that point it's happening, um, and, and they really like the versatility there. I mean, Lubick's comment about about those guys at tight end was as, as effusive as you can get when he was talking about what he had at Oregon and, and likening Vokalek and Allen to that. So I think that remains um, one of the, the tweaks that you'll see. And I think and the offense needs more downfield passing, and they should have the receivers that are better able to, to take those shots. I mean, it was just basically – not a part of the offense last year. So um, might look, might end up looking a little more Oregon-like uh, in that. And that depends too on getting the running back or getting the running game going from that running back spot because Oregon had three or four run plays and they just ran them all the time. Uh, Nebraska hasn't been good enough to do that yet. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Running back room, I think it shakes out like this. Just want to get your take, but I think it's Gabe Irvin is your is your bell cow. He's your starter. He's your every down type player. I think Marvin Scott is his backup for that role. And then I think you have a competition between Yant and Step to be the the thunder, the big back, the short yardage that will get some snaps within an every down capacity. Um, that's how I see it shaking out. What, what do you think? You could you could almost talk me into anything. I think I think Irvin has a good shot by year's end to to be kind of the the top guy. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into the first week, but I would probably move step up. Um, I you know I came into fall camp before we had any practices, kind of thinking Scott was was my leader. Now he might be third, or maybe even fourth, if, if Morrison is is truly making a move and in the mix. So. 
the the one that I'm still like the most unsure about is is Gant. It's a great story. Um, <laughs> I've heard he's. I mean, he was always pretty big, um, but I've, I've heard he might be up around 240 <laughs> right at right at the moment. So I, you know, that's kind of a, a specialty size for for a running back in in more ways than one. So I'm. <laughs> You're probably where I was, Mark, but now I might be Irvin Step, and then Scott Morrison kind of sharing that third spot. Hmm. Brandon, I mean, Scott said he doesn't want running back by committee, but the way Fall Camp's been shaping up so far, it feels like every single day there's a, a different name coming out of that running back room of who is impressive uh, on the day. Does it feel like we're we're preparing ourselves for another running back by committee season? Possibly. I mean, I think, I think that might be a little bit of fall camp chatter at this point. You know, these coaches are all going to talk when, I mean, I mean, position coaches, much less Frost. you know, two or three times before we get to game week. And they know that people are paying attention to what they say. And they're, you know, usually careful to try and get, get everybody at least a mention. So I think there's a deal of that. I mean, everything we've heard from Frost so far, and, you know, said on Thursday or on Friday that they feel pretty good about most of the spots. I think running backs probably one where they don't. So there's still a lot to shake out there. But I do think you'll probably have two guys take the bulk of the carries for Nebraska. The thing we're all waiting to see is, is which two at this point. Vogues, uh, make sure uh, the kid chips in on, on tip today, okay? We'll do. I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I have to tip him because we, we made it through uh, without any crying. So, good job. <laughs> good start to the day. Vogues, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll get closer to kickoff. Thanks for the time today. All right. Thank you. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, uh, Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel. We'll continue this running back conversation. The Iron Horse Gary Sharp's on the way. So, Cranach, you're you're buying stock in Scott, huh? I'm not saying that that's not a good call or could be a right call. If I'm if I'm betting right now, I think it's I think it's Step, I think it's Irvin, and then I think you're waiting on whoever that that and maybe Morrison. I mean, that's kind of my order, but again, it's just week one. I'm I'm not sold on Step yet, just from the the injury the standpoint. Film. Well, that yeah, and and just kind of the film I've seen on him, he just seems more like a specialty back than an every down guy. He and, just does. And the, the the thing is, is he was in a like a three headed backfield at USC. So I, I just don't know if he's given can the he opportunity the to be the feature back. Can he he be a little bit less than that thumper third down guy? Because I mean, he he showed flashes of it at USC. I mean, the, all the highlights you see from him are that one game that USC played against Notre Dame because that was the, the one time he put in a, a feature back performance in his time at USC. The question is is can he can he bring that for an entire season? Uh, it's yet to be seen, but I, I think the potential is there uh it's just can he differentiate himself from those other backs in the room well and here's the thing with scott is i I think last year he played too too stocky too big too muscle bound he's trimmed down he's gotten quicker i you know i I thought he looked pretty good in the spring game too if you just look at performance in the spring game and you can only take so much out of that but the guys that moved the best, just physically moved the best, that were quicker, that were faster, that took on contact well. To me, it's a no. I mean, it was it was Irvin, 
and it was um and it was Scott. And then I think Yant w- was the intrigue with he'll bowl you over. Um, but yeah, I, I who knows now. I want to see more, more of Morrison. I, I didn't see enough in the spring game to be like, oh, yep, that's the guy. Well, did, um, uh, did he play in the spring we'll game, Sevian? Yeah, he had a couple snaps. Yep. Yep. He had a few. And honestly, I thought he went down pretty easily. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't I didn't see a whole lot. But it was the spring, and who knows what kind of injuries he was nursing. I think he's your he, – he might be one of your more talented guys. Yeah, Morrison um, had eight carries. Okay. Yeah, but it, ha- it hasn't really come together for him yet. Scott had so, 75 yards. Irvin had 12 for 57. And but, then Ramir, who knows, right? Like, right, yeah. We, do, we don't To know. me, he's been too much of an outside guy. Um, I think he's a good fit for what Frost did at UCF. I'm not sure he's a good fit for what they're going to do now. We'll, well see. Body type. We'll get to Gary Sharp in a moment. Iron Horse on the way. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Well, soon enough, three weeks from now, it might be Red Beer or Bloody Mary time as you get the tailgate going. Nebraska, Illinois with the countdown. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, it's almost here, brother. How are you? Yeah, that's hard to believe. I mean, the summer has flown by. And three weeks from today, we're playing football, and you know, we're a week into camp. It just says, I mean, you know, the, the summer has uh, flown by, but it's starting to feel like football, and it was good to get a, a week of uh, either some stuff that make you really optimistic or some stuff that make you go, ah, oh, just wait for three weeks. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's where we're at. So where is the optimism meter for you? Are you... Is it is it is it, it at twelve o'clock? Are you closer to three? Are you still at nine? Well, I think you know we're we're as a collective whole, and I think even the guys that are going to impact the game three weeks from now are we just want to play a game because then we can show it. But I do sense, and, and this has kind of been going on since spring. There is a different vibe. It's almost like a self correction that they are very aware of what the outsiders are saying, but also what has ailed them, and it has been a point of emphasis. Now, we won't know if they've corrected that until they play three weeks from now, but I think the, the fact that they've identified and are openly talking about some things, and it's just the desire to, to not suck. I mean, that boils down to you're playing for pride. You don't want to be known as a, a loser. You know that a lot of the things that have ailed you, probably your own fault. So that's the vibe I get, is that the guys have a desire to fix things and to be better. And maybe that equates to a close game where instead of going sideways, uh, you, you find a way to pull it out, or you grab a lead early in a game and you hold on to it. I think that's been a problem for Nebraska, is falling behind right away and not being able to come all the way back. It's important for them three weeks from today to come out of the gate and to make a statement and get a lead and play with a lead. That'll be the whole thing, I think, all year, guys, is to get a lead, and how does Nebraska play with a lead? Because we've seen them behind too many times. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, Real quick defensively, I think one player and one question that I just literally don't know, and I'm wondering if you've heard, um, heard very little about him, 
but the transfer from Ohio State, Tyreek Johnson, does he find himself in the mix? Is he damaged goods? What, what if anything, have you heard and can we expect about him? Because that, that was a very highly recruited guy out of high school. Well, Mark, I, I, doesn't it appear to you that they've kind of gone out of their way not to build him up? Uh, you have an Ohio State transfer, a five-star from high school, somebody who is at a position which you already had some nice depth of, boy, what he could give you in some specialty packages. I think he has adapted well. It was good to see that he was here early instead of waiting until camp started. Um, but it almost, to me, seems like they know there's something there, but they don't want to build him up. They want to let him show everybody um, what he can do. But I think he'll be fine. But I don't think he walks in the door and starts, and I think that's a good thing for Nebraska because that shows you that, well, one guy in particular who is all Big Ten caliber and then another guy who has worked his way through the system, that some guy's not going to come off the street, even with the accolades and the unknown of, okay, can you push the right button to get him to where he was in high school? He's not going to come in and start. I think that's a good sign. That'll make him work harder. But he's somebody that kind of has to perform for Nebraska. He's somebody that you got in the transfer portal that is big name. And it would also show they couldn't get any, you know, they couldn't get what they wanted out of him at Ohio State in a deep cornerback room, defensive back room that is an NFL room. Now if he comes somewhere else, does Travis uh, Fisher have the magical fairy dust to sprinkle on him where he prospers here? Because he's not a one-year guy. I mean, you're going to have him for a while. Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend, Nebraska Fall Camp, uh, Week 1 up and done. is uh, just three weeks away from Nebraska, Illinois. Sharpie, we've been talking a lot about wideouts. We've been talking running backs. And, you know, what's your gauge right now early on here with this running back race? I think Marquis Step is further along than they thought he would be in his rehab. I think they were thinking middle of camp, end of camp, we have a little bit of Marquis step, and he took off during the summer with his rehab that I think he's nearly 100%. And so that kind of throws a new wrinkle into the running back chase. I still believe that Gabe Irvin is number one. But Marquis step is either going to be number one or number two. I think now it's trying to figure out who's going to be that number three. But there's some guys that have been here for a year, a year and a half, two years, that they might be playing for their future at Nebraska here in the last three weeks. Because I don't, you know, like we, we know that they're going to play six wide receivers, so there's going to be three, four guys that aren't happy. I mean, I can't imagine them playing five running backs. We all want them to play one solid guy and then have uh, two and a three. They're not going to play five. So I think that competition is going to be pretty heated. But I think the top two are already taken in Gabe Irvin and Marquis Stepp. But what, right now, the fact that Stepp is pretty much healthy, uh, I, I think now you can go, hmm. Well, let's go back and look what he did at USC. Can he do that here? But like him and Nick Henrich and Adrian Martinez, it all comes down to health. I think that's the biggest takeaway from week one, guys, is that everybody is healthy, and we didn't hear anything about a a guy having to sit out because he was nicked up a little bit. The only person that had an injury that's taken him out of multiple days was Kapai, who is a promising uh, young linebacker from South Dakota. But I think that was a big takeaway. But Steph's got to stay healthy, and if he's healthy, then we can uh, imagine what he might be and what we saw when he was healthy at SC. I, okay, I still view him as a specialty guy, though, as just your sort of I just don't I can't see him as your keep him on the field for every down uh, like I could a, a Gabe Irvin. Am I missing something there? What, what, well, what do you I, see that says that? No, if you look at him at USC and I think if you have to look at who he was with at USC to kind of dictate it, how they used him there. I think the thing that has stood out is he's a better pass catcher than I think Nebraska imagined. And they were able to see that briefly in spring, 
and then they've seen it in the first week, that out of the backfield he's reliable and you can throw him the football and he'll catch it. So that gives another dynamic where he can stay on the field. I think another thing, you know, if you look at his body, you would think, yeah, he's going to be short yardage, and that's been a point of emphasis this week is short yardage success is he's, he's somebody who I feel and they feel can go inside and outside and be able to catch the football and be able to block uh, when he has to stay in for pass protection, I think all those things will put step in the position, Mark, that he can stay on the field for, for three downs. Um, but you're right. You need every down backs. You don't need just you, – you have specialty backs. Can you, get, can you get a guy that is on the field through first through third down? But they believe that step is that guy. Sharpie, what, what assistant coach do you like hearing from most? When someone speaks post-practice or – after a ball game, what assistant do you do you enjoy hearing from? Sean Becton. Amen. I mean, Sean Becton. I, I I really like listening to Sean Becton. I think he's got a good perspective on things. And I'm not sliding a couple other coaches, but he's the first one that came to my mind because he spoke recently. He's also one of those guys that isn't going to fluff things for you. So when we're all trying to figure out what version of Adrian Martinez we're going to get, when Sean Becton talks about Adrian Martinez like he did earlier this week, I go. Okay, there's something there. Other people have talked about Adrian, but when Sean Beckton, a guy that I listen very closely to and what he says about his position group or his football team, I go, there's something there. Because Sean Beckton's not just going to throw something out there, guys, as fluff and know that everybody's going to eat that up. He's going to tell you the truth. Um, and so he's the guy that I, I really like enjoyed listening to. Boy, talk about a guy that's in a good spot right now with his position group and the way he recruits. That's Sean Beckton. So sticking with tight end slash receiver, a guy that you're familiar with, a guy that nobody talks about, injuries have derailed him a little bit, uh, Chris Hickman. You know, he, he saw the field early when he was healthy. He, he, was, he was lauded for his blocking tenacity, whether or not his, his skill level was, was enough. They, they definitely liked how physical he was and his mentality when it came to blocking. And then, Gary, you saw him in high school. Mm-hmm. That dude can streak down the field. I mean, he's got, right? He's a, he's damn near a sprinter. He's, he's got some serious speed at that position. Does he factor in this year? Is he sort of like maybe one of the forgotten guys that, that we're just not thinking about too much that if you develop a run game, all of a sudden, some of those, some of those passing lanes open up. He's a guy that can exploit some of those. I agree. He's been a disappointment and it's not entirely his fault. You know, he went from tight end to wide receiver and, they, you know, they changed his body. But health has been the number one thing. I don't know if he's had back-to-back months where he's been healthy at Nebraska. And that has really derailed what we thought we would see for somebody that, along with Nick Hendrich, I mean, they, they were the best, the best at Omaha Burke. You've got two key tight ends, and they were talked about a lot, and rightfully so, and it can help you in the middle of the field. Chris Hickman is kind of that unicorn guy. He's not, he's not in terms of size like what we think of tight ends. He looks more like a little bit of a bigger wide receiver, which if you look at the tight end position in football, it's kind of going the way of the Chris Hickman, the Thomas Fedoni, guys that aren't these just big, huge, heavy uh, blocker types. They are guys that are a little bit oversized wide receiver. Um, His whole thing, Mark, and Schmitty comes down, can he stay on the football field? If he can stay on the football field, he's definitely going to be the number three tight end, and he could be a very integral part because – I get the sense that Fedoni's going to be a little bit longer than was anticipated when he got hurt in spring. So you're going to need three tight ends. Two, you can get by, but at some point you're going to need that third tight end. I think he's a hybrid. I think he's different. I, I, I think he will 
factor in a bit, but it all comes back to him, how he plays the position and also how he takes care of his body. Gary Sharps with us here on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, when you're looking at the, the skill positions at offense, I'm talking running back, wide receiver, I'll even throw tight end in there. Uh, which do you think it's most important that Nebraska gets success out of that position group in order to, to find success in the offense? I mean, the Huskers struggled running the ball last year and throwing the ball last year. Uh, so, so, so which aspect of the offense do you think is more important for, uh, for the, the 2021 team to, to be successful? Good question, Elijah. I will say running back, and I will put this question back on you guys. I know this is your show, but answer me this. Does Adrian Martinez benefit more from a thousand yard rusher or a thousand yard receiver? Thousand yard rusher. Yeah. Yep. No question. Because mm-hmm. then receiving becomes it's just it just becomes easier. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's it it does it just does. Like guys will be more open if you have a one thousand yard rusher, and that's not the case the other way around. Look at, go back to Adrian's first year. Mm-hmm. Yes, Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman, and they made big plays. There was really never anybody except for Spielman in the middle of the field. But look at the thing that it took off the plate of Adrian Martinez when he could turn around and hand the ball off to Divine Zigbo. And Zigbo could run inside and outside and, and, and a little bit catch the ball out of the backfield. I think if you get production out of the running back position, and you must have production out of the running back position, you can't go four, four years, essentially three years, with no production, um, because I don't give credit to the staff for Ozigbo. I, I give a lot more credit to Divine. I mean, Ryan Held, this is a big year for him because he's got some depth. He's got to find the guys. But if you can get production out of the running back position, I think it makes Adrian Martinez Monday through Sunday a very, very enjoyable time. But if he doesn't have production out of the running back, then we're back in this situation, guys. Who, who, who has the second most carries at running back on the team? The quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's that's it. And let me ask you this, Sharpie, from a from a pitch count standpoint with Adrian, and, and Coach Donardo brought this up where really to to keep a defense honest, all you gotta do is run a quarterback a couple of times a quarter. So you do that math, it's it's eight for the game. Do you uh do you think there's enough uh respect from from future defenses with Adrian on the ground, saying, "All right, we got to we got to be careful, watch out for his legs." Even though Nebraska may not have to run him as much, I mean, how do you how do you tackle that elephant this year with him carrying the ball? Well, it depends on if they're quarterback quarterback design runs. I love quarterback power game. Yeah, I think teams that play Nebraska are going to say right away, and I Brett Bielema is doing the same thing is we respect Adrian Martinez when he pulls the ball down and runs or there's quarterback design runs. And especially now where he's a little bit trimmer and, and, and most observations in the first week of camp is that his first step is, a, is explosive. And it kind of looks like he was when he was a freshman. But everybody's going to say about Adrian, hey, we'll respect your legs and we're going to pay close attention so you don't take off and start juking us in the open field. But you know what? We're going to be able to pay more attention to your legs because we don't we don't respect your arm throwing the ball downfield. Mm. That's where Adrian's legs can come into play. If his arm can help him out, then his legs will take off because they got to respect the ball in the air, 15, 20 yards down the field with wide receivers that that they could make a, a living of pitching balls that far down the field. I just hope that Nebraska doesn't get into a situation. Hey, Adrian looks great, man. He's trim. He's able to run with more authority that you rely on him running the football a lot. You have running backs. You also have this thing, guys. Nebraska essentially is away from an uh-oh season if number two goes down. 
and he hasn't played a full year in football since he was a junior in high school. So you you kind of have to think about that if all of a sudden you look down at your play sheet and you go, whoa, Adrian's got 18 to 20 carries. No, that can't happen. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Nebraska can, if they want, if they want to go with an empty set, no running back, they could bring in Allen at 6'9", Vokalek at 6'6", Manning at 6'4", Torrey at 6'3", Betts at 6'2". Martin 6'1". Do you think they'll do that? Like, you can do that. Do you think they will do that? Do you think that could feature prominently in Nebraska's offense this year? Just an overwhelming uh, size advantage um, at wide receiver and tight end. I think you'll see that more often than not, Mark. I mean, that, that's kind of that's kind of your, your if you're going with two tight ends, um, that's kind of your lineup that you would have, and it can cause some problems with the height. Um, now, how you use it. The one thing about the when you get tight ends that are tall, and especially Austin Allen, who I, I think he's an old Big Ten guy, if he has another productive season and he's utilized more, that's the thing. We talk about utilizing tight ends. Now you have to follow it up by actually showing a commitment in key moments in the game, whether it be in the red zone. Um, but I think the, the fact that they can take the size and get into the middle of the field, sometimes we think size, we think, oh, geez, there's guys that are burners down the sideline. I think it's key, and I look at Kansas City and how they use Travis Kelsey. You know, he's, he's a tall tight end. They use him in the middle of the field. And even if Mahomes is off the mark a little bit, Kelsey is so tall, and he doesn't have defensive backs that are on him as tall, but he's able to make, go up and make those catches. So I think the height across the board, which if you look at, or you go to camp and you look at the defensive line and the wide receivers, and you think about two years ago, the drastic difference in the kind of player that is there, those are the two position groups that you go, whoa, they look like Big Ten position groups now. Defensive linemen are bigger, but wide receivers are much taller. And if you have that, you might as well go ahead and use it. But I like the height in the middle of the field where I think that will come into play with these guys, and especially the tight ends. But I, I, I don't be surprised if you see basically Nebraska's intramural basketball team out there on offense. It's called the Red Army, right? <laughs> when you look at that size and, and, and the height. And, well, can, and here's the other thing. Go ahead. You, you, you made a commitment to recruit size at wide receiver and at tight end. Use it. Use it. That's your yeah. advantage. Not, not, you know, you're not rolling up against uh, Big Ten cornerbacks and safeties that are six foot four, six foot five, six foot six. You recruited size. Use your size. That's what I notice about Missouri in like '08. I think it was like Bo's first year. They came out five wide they with had, Daniel. You're just looking had, across the Rucker, line. Like, yeah, Geez. Rucker at six six well, or and, whatever. And look at the look at and then and Daniel and Chief Daniel was pretty accurate at Mizzou. But there would be times they would essentially say we're going to play fifty fifty ball. And they would throw it up knowing that Macklin or whoever would go up and get the football. That is such a huge advantage. They don't want to always play 50 50 ball, but in those cases, like in the end zone, in the red zone, by the sidelines where only one guy can catch it, I mean, that's a huge advantage to have somebody that tall. Sharpie, good stuff, man. Enjoy uh, your weekend. Uh, we're getting closer to kickoff. Can't wait for it. Thanks for jumping on with us this morning, dude. As always, guys, you're my favorite threesome in the morning. <laughs> we'll just leave that one be. Uh, <laughs> we're going to just walk away. going to walk away from that one. That's, uh, Knowing that he has multiple threesome options. That's good. Well, yeah. And we're just, again, we're going to just walk away. Craig, enjoy your, uh, your, your phone number that's now saved in my phone. 
I'm glad you have it, man. I, I, am, I am thankful for it, too. Back at you next weekend, Monday edition at 4 with Hale Varsity. Take care. Uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.